Another edition of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. And I want us to start out with a story about your little one-year-old boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There is a place called Crumble Cookie, and uh-huh. they have... The national brand, yeah. These little wax pieces of papers inside the boxes. Sure. And uh, you invited our family over. You cooked, you cooked delicious steak, by mm-hmm. the way. Thank you. And Thank you. Thank you. we felt like we were supposed to bring something to the table, and because I don't really cook, I was like, oh, Crumble Pick Cookie. Up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But Ezra found something in there. He found the wax piece of paper. And he, I heard something. Now, my son's almost one years old, right? One year old. So he's he's, so uh, he's crawling madly. <laughs> he is all about the crawling. He's standing uh, with help, but he's not walking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I hear something. And I turn the corner of the, the kitchen island, and he has that wax piece of paper with all the cookie sweat marks on and it. And he's on the floor. He's not on the island, right? On he's, the floor. Yeah. And he sees me. And he takes off thinking I'm going to take the paper from him because he's just like shaking it all around. And yeah. he looks up and he just takes off and then he kind of falls on it, you yes. know. And so it was it was um, amazing to see. I think you described it, Rochelle, uh-huh. that, yeah, we start off in life and trying to do our own thing. It was indicative, uh, you said, of sin nature. Now, yeah. is it sin what he did? The conscious level is not there, right? But he thought, somebody's going to take this away from me. I'm going to try to sneak it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, So that he can't take it away. Well, and another example, we only, the only room that we're passionate about shutting off Uh to to, from him is the laundry room because of all the chemicals and cleaners in there. Sure. And where does he always try to go? He is trying to sneak in that laundry room. The forbidden room. The forbidden room. That is where I want to be. Just call it a tree, and then we have a whole sermon on Adam and Eve and everything. <sighs> yes. Um, this is an out loud version of A Quiet Time. We go through life, and then also what we're going through spiritually. And, <laughs> yeah. and then keep in mind, uh, HopeOnDemand.com, other places of great, incredible resources. And then also, any feedback you have, you can leave it in the form of a review. Yeah. And we'll read a couple of these at the end, a couple of shout-outs to people. Uh, but but certainly questions that you have or thoughts on on theology and everything else, just leave a review. Hopefully five stars. We appreciate it. And so we'll get to uh, Kim at the end of this. And then Anne-Marie have some nice things to say. Anne-Marie. So, yeah. That was the name of my best friend when I was in third grade. Really? It was Anne-Marie. Maybe it's her. Anne-Marie, if it's you. Hi. I liked your ribbons. I was always jealous. And now we're going to go well, into it's, things it's of the cl- Lord. It's clear that you haven't seen her in a long time. The, your, your, her ribbons are the thing that you bring up. Oh, that's why we're moving on to spiritual things, being Christ-minded and not jealousy, right? Uh, okay, so I am starting in the book of Psalms. This is a huge book. It's the biggest one. You mm-hmm. split your Bible down the middle, usually land right there. Look. So you right there it. in it? Yeah, that's pretty even. Split down the yeah. middle. And it's interesting. There's five sections to Psalms. Um, so most of it was written by David is what I generally say. I think it's like almost 80 chapters, like 79 or something like that. You'll hear people say David and you'll hear people say the psalmist. The psalmist, yeah, (laughs) which just covers a world of everyone, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, Whoever wrote it, (laughs) because there's a lot of anonymous. There's Asaph, who was uh, one of the leaders in in the church with David, and then Solomon, I think. Did he write some of Psalms? Like he wrote one at least, and then Moses has one in there, and... Uh, yeah, so a third of Moses them. Moses has a psalm? He's got a psalm I here. did not realize that. And so the first two chapters, though, it's one of those anonymous. Okay. We don't know who wrote it. But there are five sections to psalms. And it wasn't until recently that I, I realized that. It's like, oh, there's five sections here. And there's a reason for that. So there's five books in the Torah, Pentateuch. And that's basically, these are these are the things that help guide a good Hebrew person, a good Jewish person. 
And as long as you keep things close to your heart with the Torah, then you know, you're not going to depart from the laws of God. And these are Genesis, Exodus, like the first five We're talking books. about the first five books okay. through De- Deuteronomy, okay. right? And so Torah, it's, it's important, obviously, to a good Jewish person. What's interesting, though, is the very first part of Psalms, the, the first two chapters, which really aren't linked to any of the five sections of Psalms, are kind of pointing towards, this is almost like, uh, almost like the Torah for prayer, a prayer time situation. Okay. And I thought that was very cool, the symbolism there, and I never really heard about that before. Um, and so it's ways to apply good things for, to your life. Obviously, that's what law is all about and uh, meant to serve you in your relationship with the Lord. And uh, sometimes you read through the Psalms and it can look like a desperate prayer pleading. Then there's praise. And then there's uh, clearly it's something that's for the choir to perform. Mm-hmm. But these were strung together very specifically. You always wonder about that. It's like, how in the world did all these writings come together in this way? Did they just find them in a spiral notebook like this? <laughs> no, they were put together with a very clear purpose and a very clear formula. And the first two... Uh, I really love the first Psalm as a a child my dad was a children's pastor and he really encouraged kids to memorize scripture. And that was this one of the early ones I remember memorizing Psalm 23 is another famous one. Mm -hmm. The Lord Mm -hmm. is my shepherd. But Psalm one is there's so much beautiful symbolism. And it's one of my favorites because it talks about us being like trees and it talks about us being like we're planted next to a stream. And there's so much symbolism in scripture about water. And even Jesus tells the lady at the well, you remember that story, the Samaritan woman at the well, I'm living water. You know, we need water to live. In fact, we can go on living much longer without food as long as we have water. That's right. Yeah. But that much quicker we would pass if we don't have water. Right. So it's super important. We need it. And the psalmist compares us. There I did it because we don't know who wrote it. So How about the psalmist, that? Uh, he compares us to, to trees that are planted by living water interesting um in fact i kind of want to look at this for a second a tree's growing beside a stream of water okay that's what this rendition says but i do believe there's one that says planted by mm-hmm. you know um, in genesis we read about how god planted things including uh plant he wanted to plant people in in the garden the, the wording there in hebrew is very unique and interesting uh and he wants us to be rooted down by the stream of living water and, and the it, roots are deep. It's amazing when you slow down in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. how many things you notice that are pointing to Jesus. Yeah. And it, clearly yeah. Jesus, you know, knew he referenced quite a, a, yes. a bit of uh, Old Testament, Deuteronomy and Psalms. Uh, He's very familiar with Torah. Very familiar and spoke that about himself. Yeah. Um, and it, it the second chapter actually talks about a messianic king. Hmm. So, um, and that, that can be kind of mysterious unless you know what to look for, but we'll get to that in a second. What my favorite part is, is talking about trees, a a tree that would have been a a great example would have been a pomegranate tree, uh, planted by streams, you know, and, and lush fruit bears its fruit in its season. Mm -hmm. God's people are like these trees. They're always meditating on Torah. They're always looking at his law. What does that mean to you? I mean, they're, they're constantly looking to his word. What does God say about this? What no, What do I say? Yeah. We hear that a lot today. Well, this is my truth. 
Well, I think, no, it's what God thinks. And I'm not talking about being harsh with other people when you hear that spoken. I've said that many times. Well, I think it means, well, first, what does God say? And if it doesn't align with what he says, then you need to to <laughs> just... Yeah, go the other way. You I need mean, to go the other way. I mean, sincerely. And it's tough because a lot of things seem nice and loving and, oh, yeah. um, you know, lifestyles and we want to support and, um, oh, sure. you know, and all that. And and then it's like the most loving thing that you can do, though. Yes. Is tell the truth. Well, and I'm and if we're going to be just let's just go for it. The things that are being shared, you need to have more compassion for that are taking place. I admire the compassion I'm witnessing in today's times. Mm-hmm. To love those who are, quote, different. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the, the here's the thing. It, it's a bit of truth. We see that even in the book of Job. We talked about Job last week. There were bits of truth that Job's friends were presenting mixed with their own thinking. Yeah. And I need to just go with God's truth. So God is all about loving. He is all about compassion. He died for us. But also, it's not about bending to what other people think they need or want. God knows what we need. God knows what what we should desire and what is best for us. And so, okay, if I'm to die to myself, quote unquote, as what we're told in the New Testament, I die to myself and I rise up in him, that is what you're telling me is best. So well, now I need to move forward in that. It would be like, because today's culture, they just, they, they just, we don't want to be harsh and we don't want to, we, we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. Right. And so it, to me, it would be like, because, you know, just this would be clearly for people who, who know that God is real. I know that many in our world don't, but for many that, that uh, believe in God, it would be like if I saw somebody traveling to a certain destination and let's just say it's kind of old school, they're on foot, they got a compass. And I knew that they were going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. But I was too afraid because, man, I just respect that they're out here and doing this and that they're being themselves. Yeah, keep keep it up. Keep it up. You'll find it. And didn't tell them the right direction to go. What's loving and what's not? They're going to end up in the middle of nowhere. Well, what's interesting is that you are in proximity to this person. Yes, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the difference. I think a lot of people try to and and listen, if God calls you to be like a um I mean, John the Baptist was a guy who was shouting in the wilderness, Mm -hmm, trying mm -hmm. to help people turn from sin and repent. Right. But then there are those intimate moments that we see in Jesus's ministry of sitting and fellowshipping with people. True. And if you're in proximity to someone who's going the wrong direction, then you've been given a place of being able to love and being able to speak into. Yeah. And perhaps they look at you as a person who can speak into. If you're not communing with people then I would I would really pray about whether or not you should be speaking to that person because yeah. uh, it, why would they take advice from a complete stranger? I don't know you. Yeah, that's true. But if I'm talking with them and I'm I'm choosing to fellowship and I'm caring with them, you know, and Jesus ate meals with people, you know, that was an opportunity. Let's talk. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a big difference. Um, but I, there are things I think we can applaud like Paul did at Athens. We read about that in the book of Acts. He applauded the people of Athens who were surrounded by all these idols, but he saw the one that was built to the unknown God. And he said, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. I think we have to always use that tactic. We've shared about that. I think it's Acts 17. We've shared about that in the past too. But So I'm going to bring up today. For right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's great. So for right now, I kind of want to go back to the tree thing. Trees are growing. 
trees are not stagnant. It's not like they they end growing. I mean, if you've ever been a part of like some sort of a fence boundary line with a neighbor and a tree is growing right there, then you've had to deal with the fact oh, it keeps growing. Yep. It doesn't say we stop growing in this psalm. And it says that our leaves never wither. And that's something different than other trees. I mean, I specifically looked up this morning because I've thought about this, especially at Christmas time. I'm like, well, evergreens leaves never wither. Right. Oh, of course, you cut it down and then pff, the nettles are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are fun to vacuum. <laughs> but the pine tree, it's interesting. Um, it's fruit isn't necessarily desirable to all. The fruit of a pine tree to, to conifers to these types of evergreens, like pine cones, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> they're great for arts and crafts. You can make bird feeders with them. Yeah. They're but not it, even fun to hold necessarily. <laughs> they can be kind of prickly. But uh, the pine tree, the evergreen, those are the leaves that never wither. They can handle a snowstorm. Those are the trees that can with take withstand, excuse me, any kind of weather. That's why they're called evergreens. So if I'm like an evergreen and I'm planted by the stream and I'm constantly growing, like I want to get to Rockefeller, Rockefeller level, if I could say that, um, height status with God, because I want to, as it says, God blesses people who refuse evil advice and won't follow sinners or join in the sneering at God. Instead, the law of the Lord, that's his teaching, that's Torah, makes them happy and they think about it day and night. Mm. Well, that's how I grow because they're like trees growing beside a stream. Trees that produce fruit in season, maybe a pine cone. And for some, that's great. For others, it may not appeal, but you have to kind of show them Mm. how it can appeal. And then they always have leaves. The nettles of the tree of an evergreen are tightly rolled up. And they're done so, uh, they don't look like other tree leaves, right? So it's going to look a little different than the other trees out there. Mm -hmm. But they withhold that I mean, they hold inside within the moisture. And so that's why they stay evergreen. Mm. So the water that they're soaking up, they keep hold of that living water. And I didn't know those were leaves rolled up until a couple of years ago when I... We talked about it at Christmas, right? You should, When you show a uh, close-up, a magnifying glass on what those look like up close are fascinating. It's fascinating. It's 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 amazing. It's an amazing uh, plant. It's an amazing tree by God. So I was writing this this morning and I was reading this. I said, evergreens always have leaves even in winter storms. They stand strong. But the next section of this says, that isn't true of those who are evil because they are like straw or chaff in another version, blown by the wind. And I thought, man, you know, we don't wish that for people, that the storms of life blow them away. But that that's what we're offering is to be rooted in something deeper than self. Mm. And the world preaches self right now. Yeah. What is your truth? What is your this? If I'm not if I'm not grounded, I'm going to get blown over, you know? Yeah. So the second psalm, um, again, it's kind of outside of the first section of the five sections that you get in psalms. It talks about the chosen king, and it references something that happens in 2 Samuel. I think, uh, gosh, I don't remember which chapter, but it's, it's the promise that God makes to David. He said, don't you worry, because there's always going to be somebody from your line that is going to rule. And there's somebody that's going to be taken over that's going to you know, help out the nations and such. And you look down the line from David. Yeah, there's a lot of wickedness that takes place. Uh, In fact, even separates the kingdom of David into Judah and Israel. But later, it's all brought together in the person who comes from the line of David, which we know, son of David. Just even that term alone is like, oh, 
Jesus. So it's pointing to someone who is going to to bring about this water. Yeah. You know, so we got to hold on to what what we're given through scripture in order to hold on to living water in order for us to continue to grow because there's this incredible figure that's on its way. And so how do we like Jesus has already come. So look at how much more scripture we have to hold on to and how much more we can grow. And the only way we can do that, though, um, and do it well, certainly prayer time. Absolutely. Relationship with God is crucial. If you're not talking with somebody that's, you know, a family member, you're not going to have a great relationship with them. But it's also important to kind of, you know, do your research about stuff, too. James 1 5 talks about gaining wisdom from God. And um, there is a difference in wisdom and knowledge. Uh, knowledge is what the Bible says. And wisdom is how to use that knowledge, much like you were talking about. How do you approach people in a loving way? The difficult coworker at work. How am I going to approach knowledge? I think we're, we've talked about feelings a lot and going on a feeling. My feelings change so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can make fun of myself because I'm a woman and I can do that. Uh, I know that <laughs> a lot of the times emotions fluctuate. And that's just the way women are designed. Guys, that, don't say anything. It's all don't right. Don't say anything. Passion is okay. But here's the, here's the difference. Passion, I think of passion and feelings. Passion without wisdom, though, can be mindless. Mm. So you have to have the two together. And if you are not having the Holy Spirit wisdom and what you know aligns with Scripture to go along with your passion, then you may be passionately wrong. Yeah, sincerely, passionately <laughs> wrong. wrong. Jesus had passion. The whole movie that Mel Gibson made called The Passion of the Christ, but he, of course, being God incarnate, embodied wisdom as well. And so there was passion in what he did, and we should be passionate for God. But, you know, it's it's very important that we remember the scripture to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. There's a way to share our wisdom and passion in a way that also makes us an incredible asset for the Lord. Now, God doesn't need us. He wants us. And he can use us in incredible ways when we have tapped into what he wants us to say in moments that we are given. And sometimes my passion can squash an opportunity. I can step on the toes of an opportunity. and I, You're going to step on toes when you share the gospel. Yeah. You yeah. will. But I don't want to step on an opportunity. Uh, I love. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. I I, I liken it to this. Our old pastor um, uh, at at our old church, it was the new pastor, and he came in and um, made sure that we got rid of some of the old rules, uh, not having uh, drinks besides water in the sanctuary. Okay. Um, you know, even dress code to a certain degree. You know, and just and relaxing those, the rules. Was some of those rules established in the church? Uh, as like, these are a good idea just to keep the church clean or to have some semblance of order. Sure. But they weren't necessarily printed in the Bible for us to necessarily yeah. glean from. But that can be tricky with people because they'll well, look at it like it's Bible. But his point was this. He said, the gospel is offensive enough to people. We don't need an extra thing. Interesting. Getting in people's, I can't have coffee in this. Well, I'm leaving this church. That's not what it's about. So what is it about? And then as soon as they say, well, I don't agree with what the Bible says. Well, we're going to continue teaching that. Yeah. So that is a non-negotiable. I don't. We're going to step on people's toes, but Lord, direct us so that we do not step on the toes of an opportunity. Yep. I do not want people to walk away from me who may 
feel a different way, identify a different way, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, walking away feeling like they have not met somebody who truly, um, I I don't want them to feel like they didn't, that they met somebody who doesn't care for them. Yeah. I want them to know that they're loved. It's a safe place that they would even feel comfortable coming back and talking with me, even though they don't agree with me, which I know that's a very difficult thing to say because I don't know if I could say the same. If I if I'm talking with somebody who adamantly feels the way they feel about their faith and I feel I mean, gosh, I get defensive. Absolutely. But if I if I got to find my composure in Christ and, and Jesus never got undone by people's disbelief. So, all right, Lord, help me stay true to you in this moment. Continue to care if they walk away offended to know that it's not because of something that perhaps I have conveyed in my person. Yeah. Did I add anything to that to cause offense? To cause offense that it was simply something that maybe they have to come to terms with in terms of sin. Right. Nobody wants to be called a sinner, but we've all done it. We all do it every day. Yep. Yep. And it is what it is at a certain level. I can't I can't shave off anymore at a certain level. I'm just quoting Jesus and you're disagreeing. Then, then that's that. And that may feel offensive, but it also should also it should feel freeing. I sin. Yeah. You know, it's free. Kind of yeah. like uh, when you go into an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, there is something freeing when you finally admit. Yep. And I'm an alcoholic and everybody in that room is not pressing judgment on you. They're. they're or like Admitting we're in this too. the problem, yeah. And so now it's the first step in your healing journey, right? And that I this is freeing to know, all right, I have messed up. Oh my word, and I I I'm not going to get better on my own, but Jesus Christ says, "I know." And that's why I'm offering this to you and that yeah. it should be this incredible liberating feeling, but nowadays, I mean, we live in a world that wants to fix itself for whatever reason, even though we all know we're broken and screwed up. But in the same breath, have our own take on how we're going to fix it. <laughs> I, I it's just, confusing. <laughs> I watch countless documentaries that it seems um, like uh, so, or even like even like this, um, the words of uh, pop stars in the eighties, nineties, two thousands that now they'll tr- they'll honestly reflect on it. Mm. I wasn't happy. I was miserable. I was just looking for an answer. I was just looking for another, you know, whatever. And you, and in the moment, you know, when we were seeing them, they were broadcasting like, this is the life I'm rich and famous and it's great. And I just think that what, what facades are we seeing now that in documentaries or interviews and years from now, people in the spotlight right now will go, I I wasn't truly happy. There's a song speaking of the eighties. There's a song back in church, a really old one called People Need the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing has changed since the beginning of time. Nope. And it's just people searching. And I think that's why God has, I mean, he's just got all this love and compassion for his kids. Now he's a just God. And just like a just judge, he's going to, I mean, he'll hold people accountable. But if you allow for him to give you the not guilty verdict, because Jesus is standing right there representing, saying, I'll take the, I'll take the punishment. That's yeah. what he did for us. I'll take the punishment. Then we are free to go. We are free to live in him, right? And I don't I don't know. Um, he would have blighted us, I think, off the, the face of the universal map a long time ago if he didn't have such grace. That's true. But he does. And so hopefully I can. T- can I take that tone with people when I roll my eyes at the newest star, the newest celebrity saying, you know, I'm this, I'm that. 
knowing where they're going. To, I need to kind of look ahead and say, Lord, I know where they may be even in the next day. Sure. Because that's where I was without you. Mm-hmm. You know, help give me grace and compassion. Help me pray for these people. These, not even call them these people. These are your children mm. who you love. You died for them. You, you wouldn't die for something you didn't think was worth it. Right. You, right. That's incredible that he would give us such a, a price tag in his kingdom that he would die for us. Anyway, well, you are valued. You are loved. Yeah. Um, and everything you've said with Psalms, I think it ties just in, you know, about growing and being rooted in truth and then recognizing that relationship with Jesus and how we look to it ties in exactly where um, I found myself again this last week. If you've listened over the past few weeks, you might know I've been speaking to people of a different faith. And I came back to Acts 17, uh, and this is Paul in a town or country called Berea, maybe a region, whatever it is. And so backstory is, he, you know, Paul's just going around sharing the message of Jesus. Yeah, and he's he's the one who gets it out there. I mean, honestly, it's probably because of the ministry of, of the Apostle Paul that you and I are sitting here right now. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, he he had to convince Peter and some of the fellas, hey, let's get this out to the them Gentiles. The, the, that's right, that them Genties. That's you and me. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know if that's an offensive term or not. Genties. genties? Yeah, it sounds like a, as a Gentile, I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> I am too, though. Um, and so he has just gotten uh, kicked out. Obviously, um, some cities weren't welcoming him. So, uh, Thessalonica, they they kind of kicked him out. And in uh, Acts 17, 10, he says that very night, it says that that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. So here's that, you know, people are ready to talk about faith at the synagogue. Um, And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Sounds great, right? We have, he's talking about, you know, these are, are people that believe in God and, you know, hanging on to the, the Torah and all that. Um, but now here is Paul coming to tell them that the Messiah has arrived. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they say it more open-minded than those in his last town. And they listened eagerly to the message. And so it's like, cool, right? Just wrap it up and go home. That's, that's it, folks. You're good. Just believe. <laughs> they didn't stop there, though. Yeah. The next line is, while they eagerly listened to Paul's message, they then searched the scriptures day after day Mm -hmm. to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. So good. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek men and women. They did it the right way. They matched up what is flat out scripture Uh that was the Old Testament for them. And here's Paul saying, all right, a lot of those things that it's leading up to, well, the Messiah is here. And they go, all right, well, let's go over it. What do you, what, tell us about it. And I'm sure he, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure he talked about the different aspects of the prophecies that were in there, the, the virgin birth and the, this and the, that, and they, they could kind of check mark it and go, you're right. You're <laughs> right. Because it was rooted in scripture. And it led me to an in- interesting conversation about a couple of different things on um, with the people of a different faith that I've been talking to of where does morality come from? Mm-hmm. Things, things like that. I said, um, you know, cause the, the, the kind of shtick is with this particular faith group, um, is, uh, just pray and God will give you a good feeling that our, uh, our religion is true. There comes that passion word again, feelings. A- exactly. Feeling. Yeah. And Hey, can God give you a good feeling? Sure. But so can you, and so can Satan. 
Mm-hmm. Um, feelings aren't indicative of the Jeremiah says the heart is wicked and deceitful. Mm-hmm. So a good feeling's great, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And I and I kind of propose the question: How do we know? Like like there are certain we're talking about knowledge and truth. And I said there are certain things we don't need to pray for, we don't, or don't need to pray about. I don't need to pray to God to see if uh, murder is right or wrong. And I said because it's in Scripture. And I said, how would, how would I know? How do we even know that's, that murder is right or wrong? It's one of the Ten Commandments, right? And and that's that's where I, what I would say. Okay. This is kind of that morality thing. You Also, atheists are kind of, you might kind of have this <laughs> conversation in this in this forum. You know, how do we know what's right or wrong? And he said something to the effect of, well, it's just pretty obvious. And I go, not to some people. By what measurement? <laughs> By what measurement? And I'm just By sitting here going, standard? you can't just, exactly, that's the question. And that that is a question often that gets, gets asked of atheists. Uh, you believe, as I believe atheists can be moral people. Sure. But there's no standard to to follow it and to say this is right or this is wrong. Anybody could have their own take. It's interesting. I watched a TV show the other day. It helped me understand the, the difference between ethics and morality. Okay. Ethics is the, um, this the... The system of which like a community or even a country kind of gauges the right and wrong values. Okay. And morality is something that you personally, like your household, this is how we choose to observe. Interesting. Interesting. And and I thought that that is interesting. But ethics is like a, a across the board type of a thing, maybe more so than the morality of it. I mean, like we could all be ethically on the same page. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But our morals are different. Does that make sense? So like, yeah. like somebody of a different religion, they're like, yeah, murder's wrong. Okay, so we agree ethically. Now, if I'm saying it wrong, please comment. This no, is where you comment in the comments. That's section. fascinating, but I think but, it, whatever you do call it, you're exactly right with what you said. There's no yeah. standard without God. Without God. And then, so how would you not measure it apart from him? You cannot. I heard somebody ask this. Uh, this was a, a fascinating per uh, I think it's Frank Turek. He is one of those guys that gets up at, at college campuses and atheists come ask him stuff. Yeah. And uh, Frank, Frank was having this discussion that there's no morality and somebody, or there's no morality without God. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked him, uh, where does God get his morality? How can he just be moral? <laughs> and and, and I, I think what they don't realize, and I wish, I wish Frank or whoever was on the video said it this way, it would be like if I had the power yeah. to create a world. Uh-huh. Let's just say me, Carter, I was powerful enough to create a world. Well, it's just me and my personality. Now, I think even in this setting, I wouldn't be, be I'm just not going to imply that I'm perfect. But I, I usher it to my people that pizza rolls are good. Mm. Four-way stops are super annoying. <laughs> I, I, I just am. Yeah. And I have told my people this is how to live life and this is where you get your standard. It's like standard. they're a little piece off the old a chip off the old black and god yeah. is just perfect yeah he is, is just just is just merciful that's just him the glory of a thing is the character of a thing is something i heard in a sermon a that's long time really ago. good that's really good so yeah he just is i am that i am was when i was the first time we heard about it is when he's at the burning bush and moses is like who are you i yeah. always was I, I just, I am. I'm the only thing you know, and whether you actually acknowledge that, it's really up to you. Yeah, yeah, but I am. But this is where it comes from, and I'm so sorry over the years for those who may be struggling in faith or they believe, like, agnostic, don't know what to believe. Perhaps it was modeled poorly or you read something somewhere that that mm-hmm. gave God a bad flavor 
or it just didn't align with what you were feeling and thinking. But I would invite even even those of us who adhere to the Christian faith to do the self checks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, do I get it right in this line of thinking ever? And do I usually feel satisfied after it? Mm. If you are unsatisfied and you are apart from Jesus Christ, there's a reason for it. If I'm a Christian and I'm unsatisfied in some way and I, I claim to follow Jesus, then I am somehow not aligned with him Yeah, because I have everything I need in him. So I've come out yeah. from underneath the umbrella of his spirit protection. So I've got peace when I'm under that umbrella. I've got love. I've got joy. I've got grace for people. When I come out from under the umbrella, it's because I have chosen to follow my frustration in the moment. I got to get back aligned with Jesus. Or your desires. Otherwise, what's going to happen? I will never be satisfied. Yeah. But as long as I'm under his umbrella and I've fully tapped into who he is and who he gives me, gives me the power to be through his spirit. This has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, it, we can't get a big head about our faith either. True. Because it's not. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not me, right? It's him. So our job is to hopefully communicate to people that that thing you've been looking for, that thing you've been longing for, is not a thing. It's a person. Mm. The, the, our desires are unquenchable. Uh, they are. And, and, and then God is that living water, right? Amen. Um. The last thing that I'll say on this this line of thinking is mm-hmm. we got into that conversation of the and granted, you know, this is this is just me talking, the gates of heaven conversation that we all have of yeah. why should I let you into heaven and we, the reason that we give and all that. Um that 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 picture is not really painted verbatim in the Bible or anything. Um and so Well, and who's usually standing there? Peter, the right? <laughs> is it Peter? And that's Peter. that's not even in the Bible, is Saint it? St. Peter's not gonna let me in the gate. Why yeah, okay. So <laughs> Well, all right. actually, I don't the know. Gates of I hell would, will not prevail. Is that why Peter's attributed came that? from something, whether or not it was just like a, a legend or something that was told in the church? Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up. And Peter's like, right. He's, Peter, <laughs> on this rock, I will build my church. So maybe he's got clout. That's why he's the gatekeeper. I don't know. But if he's like, he's got to be, he's like the bouncer letting people in. And he's like, man, I just want to go in. Are you stamped? <laughs> wristband, wristband. Um, no. So however that works, right? But I, I'm looking I, it out because that that it's like, where that did up. that come from? I'll, I'll tell this part. So I I told him, I uh, I or I asked this person of a different faith. I said, well, how do you imagine that moment? And he goes, well, God knows that I'm not perfect. And I go, absolutely. And he goes, but He sees my effort, and He knows that I try and and what I desire, and what I what I just make an effort to stay away from, and that I wanted to do this, and and He'll just know. And I go, He's not going to say that. He's not, Mm. our effort is not mentioned in the Bible at all that we can do enough good or become perfect enough to get into heaven. And he goes, I, I believe he's going to say that. I go, where is that in scripture? And we had a a very blunt conversation at this point in the conversation of it. We were exploring each other's face, but I say, he's just not going to say that. And, and, you know, Let's look at it in the Bible. What does it say? Jesus's righteousness is imputed into our account. And we talked about Romans 4, 16 a couple of weeks ago. We can have uh, true knowledge and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Relief. Um, um, uh, it would be true. Um, Repentance? No. What is Now I just got to look it up. Uh, we can have true confidence. Confidence is the word I'm looking for. True confidence that 
we are right with God Mm -hmm. if we have faith like Abraham did, but not by following the law of Moses. And so there's not this, I hope, what am I going to say at the gates of heaven? Maybe I may have given enough to charity enough or whatever. The Bible says nothing of that. And it says our faith in Jesus, faith like Abraham's, believing God who who he says he is and that Jesus is the only way to heaven, then we can have confidence and we'll just go strolling in those gates. You know, I, I think about Mary when the angel came to visit her and called her highly favored, mm-hmm. most favored. He's he's pleased with Mary, right? So I hear the the heart of the person that you're ch- that you're talking with, and they're mm-hmm. like, "But God is going to see my effort." Mm. And if He's truly sincere in in what He's sharing there, I understand in part what they're talking about. God is blessed by His kids, just like when I see my kid not quite meet the standard per se. Sure, but they're sure. they're making the effort. However, I mean they're they're not going to win their position as a child in my house. They already are a child in my house. Yeah. You know, it's the same with the Lord. When you say yes to him, you've t- I'm living with God now. I'm right. his kid. That Nothing's going to take that away from me. But nothing. if you haven't, then your effort won't get you anywhere. And so that's, I mean, it's, it's one of those old things. We hear it over and over again, even in movies, perhaps you've said it yourself. Oh, I'm not good enough. I can't, I, I can't talk to God because I, I, I've done too much stuff or that's, whatever it is. That's it's, where God wants to start. That's exactly that's exactly, you've said the perfect words. <laughs> you've messed up, and that's where you start. So, by the way, I did look up gates. Uh, there's a lot of gates mentioned in Revelation. Okay. Um, it's highly symbolic. Uh, you know, obviously, when you get a, go into a giant palatial-type residence, there's a gate situation. So, But uh, I think it, it's just, that is a tradition that we've heard in the church all these years about Peter. His, his uh, on this rock, I will build my church with the words of, Jesus to Peter, uh-huh. and uh, Peter means rock. Um, but in terms can't. of the gate, it says, uh, and and the gates of hell will not prevail against right. my church. Yeah. So the gates come into that scenario, but and I don't know. Let me ask this. This is just spitballing here. Uh, scripturally, uh-huh. didn't Jesus, uh, no, maybe that's where he said you don't know what you're asking. Aren't I've also heard at least people say, but I think this may, may be scripture, that the disciples will be at the right hand of Jesus? Or is that also just an urban legend? No, I think that's accurate. Well, he, I, then I, he can't be both places. Then he I, can't be at the gate. I'm still in the Old Testament, Carter. You have to let me reread <laughs> okay. the New Testament. Yeah, she'll be in the New Testament in November. <laughs> is that right? You, she's doing the year it's of the Bible chronologically. August. So I'll get yeah. there in August. But yeah, I think, no, I think it's been a while since I've read that straight through again. In a year we'll or get so, the, so we'll, we'll, we'll get bring there. that up. All right, so I want to thank a couple people. Um, Kim Kimbro is the username. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, I appreciate your your radio show, but also uh, your point of view. It's honestly helped me see certain scripture in a different way. Oh, that's I, cool. I love that y'all constantly remind me with everyone uh, to see to see everyone with the eyes of love, like how our Father looks at us. You guys have talked about certain scriptures that have questioned, and God has had me listen to y'all to shine light on them at times. Wow. Um, so thanks again. Uh, and thank you, Kimbro. That's awesome, Kim. Uh, Anne Marie says, your third grade uh, friend. My best friend with the ribbon. Uh, sure it is. Um, I love how, how while you guys uh, maintain your personality, uh, your uh, relatable and, and personable, uh, they, uh, uh, she's talking in third or whatever we are. They take you through the Bible in a logical way, as well as in a faithful way. And they handle tough life situations and questions. I feel like this podcast is better 
arming me as a Christian in really getting to know the Bible so that when non-believers ask me questions, I'll have knowledge ready. So thank wow. you. Keep it up. Praise thank you Lord. for those kind words and kind reviews and and feel free uh, to obviously we love kind words, but any questions yeah. uh, or, you know, topic ideas, leave those in reviews as well. We'd love to get I'd to those. I love that. As this guy called us the other day and asked, where did, where does it say in scripture Job was angry? I'm like, well, most of the most of the chapters that follow that initial one. It's a it's, it's a theme. In, is it's it implied a, or inferred? It's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. And of course, more at HopeOnDemand.com. 